Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. J. Edgar Hoover, Public Enemy, with William Hootkins as J. Edgar Hoover. Mr. Hoover, please, if you would. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Over the past few years, whenever I have appeared before the Appropriations Committee, I have always brought news of savings. The savings I've made since 1924, when I became director of the Bureau of Investigation. As you know, when I took over, there was corruption. Dishonesty, false accounting, I I don't need to go on. You are all familiar with the reports. Well, I can now tell you that all of that has been finally and totally rooted out for good. Mister? S.A.C. Melvin Purvis, Bureau of Investigation. We're here to collect Jelly Nash. Well, then you better come in and get him, hadn't you, son? Thank you, Sheriff. Uh, can my boys get a soda somewhere around here? It's pretty hot. Down the street. Lily's. I'll just get my hat. You're coming with us. Sure thing. I want to see this son of a bitch locked down tighter in hell in Leavenworth. <laughs> I have established a national fingerprint department and the largest criminal records office in existence. The Bureau has its own training school. The old days are over, gentlemen. Now we and the nation are facing a new future under a new president, Franklin D. Roosevelt, who has declared war upon poverty and want in our country. Sit in the back with him, Sheriff? Well, I ain't letting him out of my sight till he's signed and sealed at Leavenworth. Move over, Tim. Let the Sheriff in there. Earl, you want to sit with me? Yeah. What is it, Sheriff? You don't trust the Bureau of Investigation to deliver your man? I'll tell you, son. I ain't hardly heard of you boys. And your Bureau, no offense now, don't mean Jack out here. (laughs) He's telling it straight. Okay, we're ready. You uh, comfortable back there, Jelly? Hey! Can it. There is, I know, something difficult and dangerous about the beginning of things. I am not sure why this should be so. However, the infant, both human and organizational, must endure and conquer if it hopes to survive. So I am not asking for special treatment. I am merely asking that we be allowed to do our job and fight crime. Just as the president has declared war on poverty and promised a new deal to the nation, let us, in law enforcement, declare war on criminality. And to fight this war, we need to be fit and healthy and able to respond at any moment to danger. We need to be sure that the sickness of corruption nowhere touches us. Say, uh, is it true you guys can't make arrests? It's true enough, Sheriff. Nor carry guns without some kind of special permit? (laughs) Some coppers. (laughs) Did I ask you? 
They're uh, pretty tightly controlled, Sheriff, that's for sure. Hey, what's happening up ahead? Do you know anything about this? Not as I know. Ain't my boys. Highway patrol, looks like, uh, floods maybe. Road slippage. Yeah, we hope to be getting a bit more room to function. Freedom to follow up cases. Mr. Hoover's working hard to straighten up those boys out in Washington. But we need to be sure that we have the weapons and, yes, the money to fight this war. For as the Attorney General has said, if the government cannot protect its citizens, then we had frankly better turn it over to the gangsters and pay tribute to them through taxes. Let us, uh, let us identify our enemy, gentlemen. Let us measure ourselves against him. Let us show the people of this country that we are no longer prepared to suffer under the rule of the hoodlum and the gangster. Sheriff, sure, you want to talk to these people? Sure. What's the trouble, boys? Hey! We have a unique chance to rebuild public morale after the great slump, just as Mr. Roosevelt wishes to rebuild the economy. Die! Let us then show the people that the federal government cares about their safety, their right to health, wealth, and happiness. Oh, oh, oh. Let the Bureau of Investigation do its job. That's right. That's right. Sir. It's all right, Agent Provost. You just stay where you are. I think your nurse would put me in the hospital if I disturbed you. No, no, sir. It's a real honor. I brought some flowers. Thought they might brighten the room. Thank you, sir. Relax, Agent. I'm off duty. What do they call you, uh, Melvin Mel? Melvin, sir. Well, they're calling the shooting the Kansas City Massacre. Our people think it was done to stop Lane betraying his associates. There was certainly no attempt to set him free, sir. No. It was... Uh, it was murder, plain and simple. It was cold-blooded murder. <laughs> I'm here. Now, take my handkerchief. You'll be all right. You'll be fine. We'll have you up and around in no time. You know, Melvin, they say you're a, you're a ladies' man. Huh? The agency's own Clark Gable. I know Miss Gandy is all afire to meet you, though I don't want to lose the best secretary I ever had, come to think of it, the only secretary I ever had, so maybe I'll, I'll lock her up when you come visiting, huh? All right now, Melvin? Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, sir. I, I, sh I shouldn't sir, have... I want you to know that as soon as you're out of here and your convalescence is over... Well, I want to come back, sir. I, wa I want to get these people. Well, don't you worry, we will. Maybe not the scum who did this, but there's a new breed out there, men and worse, women, who live by the machine gun, who respect neither laws nor rights. The Bureau is in the right place at the right time to strike back. And I want you, Melvin, to be a part of this new crusade. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your trust and, and, and for coming to see me. It's all right, Melvin. I'm going to keep my eye on you in future. I'm sure we'll do some good work together. 
Oh, uh, by the way, we've got a new name. We're now the Federal Bureau of Investigation. FBI. Sounds good to me, sir. Sounds good to me, too. People remember it. Bye now, Melvin, and you get well. And you come home soon. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. North and South America and all the ships at sea. Let's go to press. This is Walla Winchell, broadcasting from the heart of Broadway, the double crossroads of the world where there are broken promises for every light. From the Boulevard of Dreams, your correspondent garners the lowdown on the high hats as they wine, dine, weep, and wail for that next dirty dollar or clean. Where will it come from? Where will it fly? Last evening, I passed the time of night with old friend and confidant Jack Spooner, captain at your reporter's favorite nightery, The Stork. What does Jack say? He succinctly says what we all utter. Happy times are almost here again due to our new president, Franklin D. Roosevelt. Otherwise, what does the Weisenheimer wish? That some smart cop would clear up the creeps with machine gats. The banditti who seem to glom the whole world is their oyster. Did I say oyster? These chumps wouldn't know an oyster if it bit them. But somebody needs to bite them soon, or this America will be the United States of gangsterdom. Meanwhile, what gives in the town where the sun is the name of a newspaper and the headlines read like heartbreaks. Tomorrow Eve at the Garden, a festival for fight fans, the middleweight championship, and your reporter will be at ringside. The champ, the contender, a classic confrontation here at the Gardens tonight. The champ controls the center of the ring, using his long left to search out weaknesses. Ah, I didn't realize you were a fight fan, Mr. Hoover. Why would you? Walla Winchell. I know who you are, Mr. Winchell. I listen to your broadcasts very keenly. You do? America does. They say you can walk down any main street in the country on a hot Sunday night and not miss a second of Winchell as you pass from house to house. Uh, I guess they call that hyperbole. I hear, Mr. Winchell, that you're looking for a certain cop. Ah, now, don't take that to heart, Mr. Hoover. Us Weisenheimers traveled with one petal on a banana skin. I'm not about to tell you your business. And yet you're not unacquainted with some of these mobsters yourself, I believe. Well, I used to know only Madden at the Cotton Club. Sat down to drink with Mad Dog Call and Dutch Schultz, but don't get the idea I'm soft on these plug uglies. I want to see them in the slammer as much as you do. I meant what I said about President Roosevelt. You know, he called me in to the White House. I guess you go all the time, hmm? I've he told me whatever you want, Waller, to help get this country back on its feet, you've got it. It's a war to the finish. Looks like the champ's a chump, Mr. Winchell. They're counting him out right now. And he's out. The champ's a chump. I like that, Mr. Hoover. May I use it in my next broadcast? Certainly. May I quote you as the source? Aha. How about I offer you some of the sauce? Hmm? A drink at my place. I suppose I should have known your place would be the store club. New York's Yorkie's place. The champagne cocktail. Two, please, Jack. Oh, so that's the famous Jack Spooner. Walla Winchell's Jack Spooner. Sometimes I think there's a world under my gray fedora, and there's a world out there, and there's not a lot connecting the two. Except the radio waves. Hmm. A fragile knit, yet of steel strength that knits the nation into one. They say that... Thank you, Jack. They say that your word can kill a show or make a career. Oh, they're too kind. Or maybe too scared. A lot of people must hate you, Walter. I may call you Walter, may I? 
It would be an honor. John. Ah. Yeah, some of them do. But that goes with the job. When they look for Winchell, I'm nowhere to be found. The Grey Ghost of Broadway. All the secrets and all the gossip. I never pretended to be what I was not. I'm a voice. A voice that people listen to because of what I pass on. Without my contacts, I'm nothing. Walter, when you get a story, how do you check if it's correct? Ah, by the time you check, it's yesterday's gossip. Yesterday's news. There's only now in this business. There's only one hero, one villain, and one dame to woo. Miss America. Whoever breaks the story to the boys with the typewriters and the microphones, that's the one that tells the story. Johnny come lately is Johnny nobody in this business. Another cocktail? Walter, I think it's my turn to buy. <laughs> Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. North and South America. Here I am again, the only individual on radio who has held the same job without orchestra or partner for five years. So my thanks to Mr. Jurgens, my sponsor, and to you, Mr. and Mrs. North and South America, for making it possible. And also thanks to the nation's number one G-man. Who, man, I hear you utter. Let it never be said that gangsterdom gave nothing to the language. This night, last week, agents from the FBI tracked down kidnapper extraordinary George Machine Gun Kelly. Trapped, the cornered rat is said to have begged, Don't shoot, G-men, don't shoot, as retribution knocked. Don't shoot, phooey. This reporter says, carry on, G-men, and rid the nation of this scum. And more to come after this. Quite a fellow, that Winchell. Seems to get the scoops before they happen. We get the plug uglies and he gets the scoops. Hardly seems fair, does it? I guess not, but... Uh, but? Anything that helps. Yes. Sit down, Melvin. Miss Candy, would you get them to bring in some tea? Thank you. She's still sweet on the uh, best-looking agent in the bureau. Oh, come on, J.E. What would the fellas say if they heard that? Hobnobbing with the director's secretary. Thank you, Miss Candy. I swear she was blushing. Tea, Melvin? Thank you, sir. J.E., sorry. So, are you fit for work? Yes, I am. Are you sure? Absolutely. I want to get back to it. We are at what I might call a vital time for the agency, Melvin. Uh, lemon, sugar? No, no, thank you. Uh, we have built up a solid organization, a we organization, not an I organization, and what we have to do is prove our worth. Now, we cannot just take... Uh, <laughs> Um, Go on, Melvin. You need building up. That wife of yours doesn't feed you enough. You tell her the boss says more T-bones for Melvin. Gosh, I think I eat too much already. Nonsense. You've got a lot of work ahead, my boy. Now, we cannot direct crime fighting over the whole country. That would be far too complex. However, what we can do is intervene. Help local agencies in cases which need a national perspective. Yes, sir, exactly. We can go anywhere but still stay in touch with Washington. Good cake? Very good, Jay. Hmm. My mother. She's a fine cook. Has to be, since she's fired just about every housekeeper in the city. You must come over and meet her sometime. You'll like her. She's a grand old lady. Sure, Jay. It's important in this time of change that the pup... that Mr. and Mrs. America can see law and order happening, not as something abstract, but as a... A drama of crime and punishment. Yes, sir. Uh, they want to see the G-man go... Oh, what did you uh, think about that, by the way? Swell stuff, eh? Well, I talked with S.A.C. Carmichael, and he told me when they got Kelly, he said 
Come in, boys. I've been waiting for you all night. Yes, but hardly a drama of crime and punishment. I guess. Well, if you think it's what okay, What do you know Jade, about uh... this man? Nothing, sir. Well, you will, Melvin, because you are going to get him for me. And when you do, why, the world will be yours. Dillinger? John Dillinger. They call him the new Robin Hood. Well, I say nuts to that, because this Robin Hood robs from rich and poor. He also makes chumps out of all local police departments. Mr., that's dramatic irony, folks, John Dillinger, arrested last month in Tucson, Arizona, detained pending extradition to Indiana on a murder rap, whittled a gat out of wood and held up Sheriff Lillian Holly and her tough guy guards and took off for points unknown in the sheriff's own auto. How's that for chutzpah, Mr. and Mrs. North and South America? Well, I've got news for you, Johnny D. There's a certain gentleman in Washington who has evinced an interest in your doings. His name is Hoover, and he just happens to run the FBI. When you drove across that state line, Johnny, the case became his, and you, my fine friend, are heading for Nowheresville. The local office confirms he's still at the cabin in the woods and doesn't look like moving. They've ordered food and drink, enough for quite some party. I don't want you taking any more risks than you have to, Melvin. It's what we're paid for, Jane. How many of them are there? Five at last count. Is that including Nelson? That's the report. Remember, the baby face is a cold-hearted killer worse than Dillinger. Get him. Get them all. I'm going to call the press boys in. We're going to follow this whole thing through together. It could be just what we need. We'll do our best for you, sir. I know you will, Melvin. Good luck. News is coming through my sources in Washington. Look out for a major story as the big knife gets sharpened for a certain hood named Dillinger. Boys, we're going to monitor the entire operation from right here at the center of the bureau. Now, now, boys, Miss Gandy, my secretary, will give you the paperwork. I'll give you the lowdown as we bring down this hoodlum. Any questions? Well, what can you give us now? No, 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 boys, give me room. You'll get your stories. Did someone ask for Winchell? Yeah. Well, you know, he never leaves Broadway unless he has to. <laughs> uh, he's, uh, he's right there on the end of the telephone wire. But don't worry, tonight there are no exclusives except for a certain Mr. John Dillinger. I want you fellas to check your weapons right now. Come on, Mel. We know how to do this blindfold. So do it, blindfold, Harry. Show me. <laughs> You're getting as hard-assed as Hoover, Mel. Hell, you know I don't mean no disrespect or nothing. You don't have to write us so hard, is all. We don't want this son of a bitch to walk free because somebody's sidearm jams at the vital moment. Be prepared. Like the Boy Scouts, huh? <laughs> what was that stuff about the boss and some hack calling us the American secret police? Oh, that was Ray Tucker in his column. Yeah, I must have got it out of his column damn fast because I read his stuff. You better cancel your subscription. <laughs> it was, he, was, he was doing this story and he just mentioned that Mr. Hoover, well, you could say that he had a less than manly stride. Oh. Like sort of mincing steps. That's so? That what he said? <laughs> mincing? Oh. Well, did you see the boss back at the airstrip? 
lengthened his stride by a few inches. <laughs> Just because a fella's a snappy dresser and wears a matching shirt and handkerchief and a dab of scent. What? Hey, okay, I think he's coming in. Right, gentlemen, the local SAC will be waiting for us. For reporters and gangsters alike, the deadline draws nigh. So listen up, Johnny. The bell tolls for you and all your lawless breed. Roosevelt's America is no place for you now. Scoot, skedaddle, go bother someone else. Try Mr. Adolf Hitler over there in Germany. He seems to like your kind of fellow. Flash, Paris, the high as of this morning, we were informed that John Dillinger and various members of his former gang, including Babyface Nelson, were holed up at a woodland retreat called Little Bohemia. What was that? Little Bohemia, town in northern Wisconsin. Bureau agents have set up roadblocks in the area and have infiltrated the woods. Some of our top gangbusters are flying out there now and will be joining the party at any time. Listen to me and listen well. There won't be time to ask later. In this kind of weather, we need to get it right first time. We'll drive to within quarter of a mile of the bunkhouse. Then Agent Hardesty... Here. Take a good look. Make sure you recognize him. ...will lead us to the edge of the woods in front of the cabin. Agents are already stationed around and behind the place. Once there, stay put and wait for my commands. Got that? Yes, yes sir. Chief. Okay. Let's go. Too bad this show isn't syndicated. Where, and my lips are sealed, handsome Johnny is holed up. If it were, he might have time for a few last words. As it is, tough. The sure hand of the feds is closing in. Page two. Can we get a picture, Mr. Wait just a few more minutes, boys. Then you can headline it. The man who got Dillinger! Now, <laughs> it's darker than hell out here. You think we should maybe wait for morning? What if they decide to take off? We can get them then. Too many guys out here. Too much could go wrong. Besides, Mr. Hoover wants it settled as soon as possible. He wants it settled for Walter Winchell. No matter about us freezing our nuts off in the woods. Keep alert, Harry. What for? Squirrels? Pass the word along. Be ready to move. John Dillinger, this is the FBI. You are surrounded. Throw your weapons out. Come out with your hands up. You think he heard? Wait. He heard. This is your last warning. We are armed and prepared to shoot. Come out now. They're not listening, Mel. Try this. We lost him, sir. Go on. It was dark. There was confusion, a crossfire. A guest at another lodge got shot, killed. Nelson killed one of our men. It... No excuses. We let him slip through our grasp. My responsibility, sir, I'll hand it... That's enough, own... Melvin. You made a mistake. You admitted it. I will never blame a man for being less than perfect. Miss Gandy, ice water, please. Sit down. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Well, Melvin, what happened to the boyish grin? 
Yes, I do feel pretty sheepish right now, sir. <laughs> what happened to J.E.? Must have embarrassed you, sir, J.E. With the press boys all here. You're running an investigation, Melvin. I am running the Bureau. You have one aim, get Dillinger. I have many aims, one of which is your safety. I'm glad you came back in one piece. I lost a man, sir. No, a merciless killer named Babyface Nelson shot him down in cold blood. You killed no one. You did your job, and I want you to go on doing it. Now stay on, Dillinger. He's moving across the Midwest. Go everywhere the trail takes you. Take everyone who is even remotely connected with the gang. Take him. Take him alive if you can, but take him. And protect yourself and your men. This day, your reporter stood proudly in the White House, whilst President Franklin D. Roosevelt signed six new crime bills in response to the wave of lawlessness that is sweeping like a prairie fire across the nation. Behind the president, as he signed, stood Attorney General Cummings and Mr. J. Edgar Hoover of the FBI. Mr. Hoover said these new measures will smash the criminal gangs and make another Dillinger impossible. FBI agents may now carry weapons and make arrests on their own authority. And Mr. Cummings said his orders were shoot to kill, then count to ten. Mr. and Mrs. North South America say hoodlums beware. The FBI has the will, the weapons, and the scientific wherewithal to hunt you down. Soon we will all be gangbusters, calling the police, calling the G-men, calling all Americans to war on the underworld. Good night to you all. Sleep safely. God damn, I nearly lost it there. You were fine, Walter. Don't tell me that. I was garbage. And they could all hear it out there tonight. And don't call me Walter, you son of a bitch. Only my friends call me Walter. All right, if I come in, Mr. Winchell. John, I didn't know you were out there. I should have said you'd arrived. You could have said a few words on air. Oh, but nobody guests on Winchell, am I right? <laughs> I don't understand these people. How it is. Fifteen minutes in front of the biggest audience in the world. Fifteen minutes, and I'm holding every word, every thought up there by sheer effort of will. Don't you have a script? I have a script in my head. But when I come through that door and push the hat to the back of my head and take a drink and put out the last cigarette, no, I don't know what's going to happen because I won't sell them short, John. Not one of them out there deserves less than my best, not my second best. You love the risk of failing. You hit a homer every time, Mr. Mm. Hoover. One smart cookie, that's you. Not smart enough to get Dullinger. We let him get away and we look like fools. And you got six new crime bills passed. Somebody brought out a board game. Track Dillinger. What do they think? This guy is some kind of public hero. He's no public hero. He's a public enemy. Public enemy number one, John Dillinger. That I like the sound of, John. Make people realize who this scum really is and what you and the FBI are fighting for. Public decency. Yes, because in the end, it is not Congress we are responsible to, not the Attorney General, not even the President, but the decent... God-fearing people of the United States, each and every one of them, it is to them I will answer at the end of my day's work. I think that calls for a whiskey sour. Harper, anything over the wire yet? Nothing. Damn. Well, keep checking. Richards, could you get me some water from the counter? Get over here. What is it? Some dame says she knows you. Wants to do a deal. Director speaking. 
I got the tip on Dillinger, J.E. How hot is it? Hot enough to fry the son of a bitch. An old contact of mine, a Chicago madam, Ann Sage. I don't need to know the name, Melvin. Just how much can you trust her? She's got a deportation order outstanding. Wants to clear it with us. She says Dillinger will be taking her and another woman to the movies tomorrow night. The Biograph in Chicago. Show starts at 8, lets out at half past 10. I want to be there waiting, J.E. I want you to be there too, Melvin. I'll notify Chicago sheriffs and the police department. We'll need their liaison. But, and I emphasize this, don't let those boys steal the show. Dillinger is ours. He's mine, J.E. Don't you worry. No one else is going to get near him. You've got this woman's number. She'll let you know if there's any change of plan. I told you, J.E. Don't worry. I always worry when women are concerned. Be careful and keep in contact. I want to know everything as soon as it happens. Good luck, Melvin. You can rely on... Miss Gandy, would you be good enough to connect me with Mr. Walter Winchell in New York? You'll probably find him at the Stork Club. Thank you. What do you think, Mel? He in there or ain't he? You saw them go in, right? Woman in red? Couldn't hardly miss her. <laughs> Some dame, huh? Dance a foxtrot with her. I'm sure you can imagine what the director would say about that. I'd be SAC out at Sagebrush Creek for the rest of my career. Come off it, Mel. You get Dillinger, and it'll be Pennsylvania Avenue with your feet on the desk. Let's get him first. Okay, all of you, if we locate him and he makes his escape, it'll be a disgrace to our bureau. Don't even bother to go home. Captain Went. Yes, sir. We're ready to move out. Please make sure none of your men get between us and Dillinger. Concentrate your efforts on clearing civilians from the area as soon as possible. Yes, you heard another cover 16. Okay, boys, they're coming out. Be alert. Where is he? Can you? There, that woman in red. Where? To hunch up. Light my cigar, quick. Okay, okay, that's Dillinger. I got that close, Mel. We... we go, we go, right. Johnny! Johnny, stick him up! We have you surrounded! He's armed! He's armed! Hey, don't do it! Nobody move! Nobody move! This is FBI! FBI! Nobody move! FBI! Everything's... Everything's okay. Don't panic. FBI, nobody move. This is the FBI. This day, the nation has a new hero, a young man, modest, quiet, who goes by the name of Melvin Purvis, the nation's number one G-man. As night crept coldly through Chicago's canyons, Purvis and his companions waited for the most dangerous game of all, hoodlum killer John Dillinger. Nervously, each made his peace with his maker, none knowing if gray dawn would bring triumph or bloody failure. But for Dillinger, the end was certain. The FBI were on his trail. It was only a matter of time. Coolly, as the callous killer strolled from his night's entertainment, Agent Purvis lit a cigar and observed his prey. Warnings were called, and only when Dillinger went for his pistols did leaden retribution strike him there on the bloody streets of the Windy City. FBI Director Mr. Hoover will be flying to Chicago to congratulate the young G-Man personally. Melvin, congratulations. We got our man. I told you I wouldn't let you down, Jay. You're on all the front pages and on most of the inside ones, too. I don't ever want to see another reporter, no, sir. Well, they can be useful to the Bureau. I'd take my chances with Dillinger any day. He took his chances with us, and he came off the loser. We were lucky, Jay. Oh, no, it was good police work. It was the woman in red. If she hadn't called me, we could have been tailing Dillinger around the country for months. We got lucky. I mean, maybe that's the reward for good police work, but it's still luck. 
Well, your number one fan, Miss Gandy, will be glad to see you back, Melvin, as we all are. Once again, congratulations. What about our informant? Are we going to drop the deportation order against her? The Bureau doesn't make deals with criminals, Melvin. But I'm more or less promised. You know the policy as well as I do. No deals. She goes. As I promised you last year, gentlemen, the modern FBI, utilizing its scientific and organizational expertise, is tracking down and removing public enemy after public enemy. For the criminal fraternity, nothing is of greater concern than the knowledge that the FBI is on their case, because they know we do not fail. Modern scientific crime-fighting methods will spell the doom of the hoodlum. It is, I know, tempting for the public to look for heroes, but this is not an age for myths, and in the FBI there are no individuals, only the dedication of many hundreds of professionals. With J. Edgar Hoover at their head. Damn it, Harry, he's going to steal it right out from under us. Come on, Mel. You're the man who got Dillinger. Nothing can change that. I guess facts are facts. I got my face on more front pages than he ever did. Sure you do. Come on, you're Hoover's blue-eyed boy. The Bureau has never been more popular. They're even doing a radio show. Maybe they should feature you on it. You know what he said? What, who? Guy on that show, the feds, yeah. Uh, S.A.C. Dan Fowler. Huh? He said he works for this guy who runs the FBI. Uh -huh. He had a crusading anger and the righteous wrath of the prophets of old as they thundered out against Babylon and Gomorrah. Somebody should have told old Dan Fowler there he forgot Sodom. Maybe there was a reason for that. Hey, Mel, take it easy. Oh, I mean, why would J.E. want to thunder against Sodom? You're drunk. Can it? You know what they say about him and Deputy Director Tolson? He's always been good to you, Mel. Well, I guess you're right, Harry. He does his job. He cares about the Bureau. But you know what? Uh-huh. You never know what he's thinking. Ever. This is an honor, John. The inner sanctum. Come on in, Walter. The place is yours. But uh, don't touch the files. Ah, this uh, is the gin, huh? I'd like to keep certain things under my own fingertips. Uh, here, what do you think of that? Mr. John Dillinger. Well, the death mask, anyway. And the cigar he had in his top pocket. The pistol that took him down. Uh, Purvis's pistol. I don't want to tell tales out of school, but our laboratory boys think otherwise. Sam Cowley was also there that night, and, well, this is his pistol. Print the myth, huh? We need the face. The Bureau needs a, a public face. And young Purvis is the man. Sit down, Walter. Melvin Purvis has been one of my closest and dearest friends. I followed his career all the way through, and to be honest with you... Sometimes I've overlooked things that I really should not have done. An agent and a member of the public died at the Bohemia Lake shootout. In Chicago, members of the public were, quite frankly, put at mortal risk. That shoot em up attitude is not one I would wish for the FBI. John, the public needs heroes, in this time more than ever. Men who can exemplify the qualities of Roosevelt's New Deal. New economics, a new attitude to law and order, a new hope for all Americans. I bow to your wisdom in this matter. Nobody knows the public mind better than Walter Winchell. I might go so far as to say that you are the voice of America. <laughs> I, 
I can never lay claim to that honor. That's why I asked you here today, Walter. I want to build on our success as a bureau. I want to build on your success as the nation's preferred broadcaster. Go on, John. I don't believe that Melvin Purvis, for all his skills, is anything near your equal in stature. I want to see him get ahead, but I don't think he is the right man to embody the Bureau. Well, that choice has never been in any doubt in my mind, John. And you know that you can rely on Winchell to back you and the FBI to the limit and beyond. It's not just backing, Walter. We should be working together to bring in the most dangerous criminal in the United States. Next, dots and dashes and lots of flashes from border to border and coast to coast. But first, a spoonful of news with a nasty taste from the Boulevard of Broken Promises, from the City of Sin. New York mobster-in-chief Louis Lepke Bookhalter is on the skids. So says New York prosecutor and presidential hopeful Tom Dewey. Lepke means butcher in Yiddish, and Louis the Lep has butchered his way to notoriety as boss of Murder Incorporated, gangland's killers for hire. Yes, the word is out, Lep. Mr. Dewey has arranged a hot date with old Sparky. Will you arrive in your tux with a bouquet of black lilies? The word is out from Washington, too. The feds have a narcotics beef hanging over the butcher, and Mr. Hoover would like a word in your ear, but not to order a T-bone steak, Lepke. And now, a dot from Detroit. It seems the grass is no longer greener on the other side of the you-know-where. Ah, don't you just love that, Winchell? The guy's so sharp, he could peel a peach with him. Oh, come on. You know what he's doing, Harry. Want some of the glory. Well, if Tom Dewey brings in Lepke, it makes him look great for the elections. You think Roosevelt wants that? It's a done deal. We get Lepke, we look good, Winchell looks good, Dewey is out of the picture. Mm. So what did they do? Call you up and tell you to take the next plane to New York? No, Harry, they didn't. I haven't heard one thing from the director in months. I guess he's busy, Mel. Maybe I should find out just how busy. Maybe you should stay right here. Come on, Harry. I know the guy. We work together. Flash! New York prosecutor Tom Dewey is not a happy man. It seems he may have heard that your correspondent received last night a confidential call from the Lepke himself out there in the city of nightmares. Could it be that the butcher wants to hang up his cleavers for good and hand himself in to the feds? Could it be that the name of Mr. John Edgar Hoover was mentioned alongside this correspondent in an otherwise empty car in a deserted part of this heartless burg? I didn't want to disturb What is it, Mr. Purvis? How can I help you? I heard about Lepke. It's, it's good, Jay. It's good. I, I, well, I wondered if you needed... Uh, I mean, I'm always ready to... Forgive me if I'm mistaken, but weren't you reassigned to the Richmond field office? Well, it's close, sir. I thought I would offer if, if you needed any extra help. Help? Fighting the Babylonians and the Gomorans? Well, thank you, Mr. Purvis. You may return to your duties. Jay, what are you doing? I, I thought... I, I thought... Too much of yourself and too little of the Bureau. Miss Gandy, Agent Purvis is leaving now. I won't stand for this, you son of a bitch. If you don't like it, Mr. Purvis, the solution rests in your own hands. Goodbye.
This could be the criminal coup of the decade. The director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation personally takes the nation's public enemy number one into custody. Will it happen in this city of dreams, both good and bad, where anything can happen and frequently does? He knew what I said, Harry. That stuff about Babylon, the mincing steps, all of it. Of course he did. He knows everything about everybody. He invented the system. Guards against corruption. Guards against free speech. Oh, come on, Melvin. This is America. Nothing is for free here. Oh, it was you, wasn't it? It had to be. This isn't an I organization. This is a we organization. If not me, then somebody else. Maybe even you. Did you never put in a report? Fill out a file? Make a phone call? I believe in what we are doing. Don't you think he does? It's the only thing he believes in, the FBI. First, last, every other place. That's why he never loses. Every race is fixed. Not fixed. He just backs every runner. Chili. Relax, Walter. Shivering only makes you cold. I'm shivering because I'm scared. You'll be fine. Oh, that's what it looked like from table 50 at the stalk. Doesn't look so good now. Anybody could take a pop at us. Nobody knows we're here. Lepke knows. And last count, he killed 70 guys. Lepke's finished as soon as he steps in this car. It's all over for him. Now, if this comes off, John, you'll be more famous than the president. It's not for me. Don't ever think that, Walter. It's for the Bureau. Anytime anyone thinks they are more important than the FBI, then there's no place for them with me. And little Mel Purvis? You could do one thing for me, Harry. That's if it won't compromise you with the director. Sure. Whatever you want. Take this to the Telegraph and send it to Hoover. It's a very public way to resign, Mel. You won't like it. Agent Fields, I don't give a good goddamn what any of you like anymore. Just take it and get out of here. Leave me alone. What are you going to do now, Purvis? Do now. I'm going to listen to the radio. We did our job, Jay. We did our job.
In J. Edgar Hoover, Public Enemy, by Mike Walker, J. Edgar Hoover was played by William Hootkins. Walter Winchell was played by John Garasio, Agent Melvin Purvis by Michael Neal, and Agent Harry Fields by William Roberts. The sheriff was Mac MacDonald, the reporter Dave Brooks, and the special agent was Adam Sims. Other parts were played by members of the company. The director was Ned Shia. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.